Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week kicks off our two-week series, Core Values. By definition, they mean principles that guide, but core values are so much more than that. They should define, drive, and determine. So join us for the next two weeks as we look into core values at Valley Point. a brand new two-week teaching series today called Core Values. And core values, by definition, are principles that guide. To keep it real simple, core values give us, give us a path on which we can travel. Like it's just mapped out in front of us, and this is the path on which we can go. We can run hard right here because this is what's mapped out for us. Core values are very, very unique because they define, they drive, and they determine. They define who we are, they drive how we function, and they determine what gets celebrated. Because what we applaud for, what we clap for, are the very things that we value. And again, the things that we value provide this path for us. They give us something to walk on. And so for the next couple of weeks, we just want to get a little more intentional about thinking not only of our core values as a faith community, but also our values as individuals and as families. So let's have some fun with this. I want to think about some different companies and their core values. Let's think about Apple, the company. And even with the recent passing of their founder and their visionary Steve Jobs, it would appear that they are well positioned to be successful for a very long time. It really does. I actually walked around my house this past week and counted all of the different Apple products. And we have seven in our own home. And I don't even really think I'm that techie of a person. So Apple just seems to be everywhere. They're very successful. And they have two core values. Their core values are great products and simplicity. They want to make really, really great products that are very, very simple for everybody to use so that everybody will buy their great products. So great products and simplicity. And this drives how they design and how they sell and how they put everything together. It's their core values. Let's think about a local company. How about Hers Potato Chips? I love Hers Potato Chips. It's probably my favorite local thing right now, and I know there's a factory tour that you can take, and I haven't done that yet, but I've been told you can go, and you can get hot chips right off of the line, and it's like a little taste of heaven in your mouth. And I can't wait for that because I love Hers Potato Chips. But Hers the company, they have some core values, And their core values are excellence and compassion and teamwork. Now, I was talking to my daughter, Clarice, about these, and she said, how in the world can potato chips be compassionate? I said, well, it's really not about the potato chips. It's about the company, and they're trying to be full of excellence and compassion and teamwork. And this drives what they do as an organization. They try to run everything through that filter and through that grid. How about Charmin? Because toilet paper has to have core values, right? They actually do. There's two of them. 
It's durable and long-lasting, and we're just going to keep moving, all right, if that's okay with everybody. So here's our big idea for today. That is directed passion can change you and your friends. When we begin to direct the passions that we all have, that can change me and that can change you. And drilling down on some core values, it gives us the chance to direct, to steer our passions in a specific direction. And so today I'm going to share three of the core values that we have as a faith community. And then next week, we're going to share the other three. So we have six core values that drive us. And I just want to say that these core values are extremely transferable. So if you've never thought about core values for you as an individual, I'd really encourage you to think about these core values that we're going to share, and you can transfer them into your own life as an individual. It's very easy to do that, and it would be a great thing for you to think about because we're all driven by something. We are, and we either choose those values or we kind of just fall into something. So again, this is about drilling down. This is about being intentional about the values that drive us and put us on a certain path. So if you've never thought about values for you as an individual, I'd encourage you to think about these six different values that we'll share that are at the core of what we do as Valley Point Church and embrace them for yourself. I'd go as far as to say that you could take these values into your workplace as well. And whether you own your business or you're part of something or whatever that looks like for you, these things, again, are extremely transferable. Now, here's the reality. As a church, we can't do everything. We just can't. That is not possible for us. We would drive ourselves crazy if we tried to do everything and meet every need. See, here at Valley Point, we have people resources, and we have creative resources, and we have financial resources, and all of that has to be directed. If we tried to do everything, again, it would just drive us batty. If we threw a bunch of things over here and then went and ran in this direction and then came and ran over here, we would be all over the place and we wouldn't be very effective. If we threw some people resources over there and some creative resources here and some financial resources over there, we wouldn't get much done. And so we want to steer the passions and the abilities and the resources that we have as a faith community because we think we can accomplish a whole lot more when we're running on the same path. And again, this is true of you as an individual. You have abilities, you have passions, you have talent, you have financial resources, and you want to steer all of that. Now, here's what I'm convinced of. I'm absolutely convinced that God wants Valley Point Church to be a force multiplier. Here's what I mean by that. A force multiplier is something that allows you to accomplish things in a greater way. A force multiplier is something that makes you more effective. It's actually a military term. The military is always looking for force multipliers. They're always trying to find ways to be more effective. And this is what God wants for us. He wants us to take this thing that we have called the church and be as effective as we can with it to be a force multiplier. Let me give you an example. You can go out 
and you can try to dig a very big hole with a shovel. And over time, you'd probably be able to pull that off. I mean, you'd be able to get that done, but you would be tired and sore and crabby and good for nothing because you would just be spent. I mean, you would be done if you dug that kind of hole with a shovel. But if you were to go out and find yourself an earth-moving machine from Caterpillar Tractor Company to dig that same hole, you now have a force multiplier. It is something that is going to help you be a lot more effective in digging that same hole. And a force multiplier allows someone to accomplish a task with dramatically greater impact. And when we attach ourselves to some core values, they actually begin to serve as the force multipliers in our life that will help the church and us as individuals be much more effective. So we're going to chase these six different things, these six different values, these six different force multipliers so that we can be very effective as people. So let me share with you core value number one. Sounds like this. Embrace people. We welcome, include, and love people without expecting anything in return. This is our core value. We're going to embrace people, and we're going to love them and welcome them and include them without expecting anything in return. Paragraph that we're going to look at today is found in Acts chapter 17, and we've got a fascinating story here. It's about Paul, who is a leader in the early church. The early church is just getting off the ground and there's great things happening and Paul has really a great ability to speak to people. And so he actually goes into the modern city of Athens and he begins to look around and he sees all kinds of different stuff and he begins to make some observations. So this is Acts chapter 17, verse 16 says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he's waiting for some friends, He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this babbler? That word babbler is very unique. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But they're like, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. So here's what's happening here. We've got Paul in the city of Athens. And the city of Athens at this point is the educational and intellectual center of the world. I mean, if you were anybody, you lived in Athens. They had the best schools, the best colleges, the best philosophers. The best of the best was in Athens. And so Paul walks in and he begins to see all of these shrines and all of these idols and all of these icons. And in addition to that, he sees all of these different places of worship, these temples. But as Paul looked at these idols, he knew that they were more than just art. And as Paul went into these different places of worship, he knew that they were more than just museums of what used to happen on the inside. Paul knew the crowd around him. He was willing to embrace them, and he knew that those idols and those places of worship were sacred. 
and holy to them. I mean, this was a big deal. And so Paul begins to engage in some conversation with a couple of different groups. He actually starts out talking to a group of people called the Epicureans. We're just going to call them the Epis for short. Right? So he begins to talk to this group, and they're philosophers, and they think they're really smart individuals. And here's the deal with the Epis. The Epis believed that you had to live for the here and now. Because when you died, there was nothing after that. I mean, it was just all done. And so you had to party it up. You had to live it up. It was all about pleasure today. That's the Epicureans. Because they knew it ended, and you had to go hard right now. And Paul begins to have some conversations with them, and I'm sure they were kind of unique. There was another group, though, that Paul began to talk to. They were a group called the Stoics. Stoics also thought they were pretty smart individuals, a little different than the Epis. They believed you were supposed to be one with nature and one with harmony. They're modern-day hippies. That's what the Stoics are. The Stoics also believed that everything and anything was a god. You're a god. I'm a god. The table's a god. My pen's a god. The easel's a god. The chair you're sitting in is a god. Everything and everyone is a god. And so we need to worship just about everything that we see. That's the Epis, and that's the Stoics. In the middle of all that, we have this guy named Paul. And Paul walks into this city and sees all of these idols and icons, and he sees these places of worship, and he hears what the Epis are saying, he hears what the Stoics are saying, and he's like, you know what, I think there's a different way. There's a God who cares about us, and he can give you direction and purpose for your life. And you know that had to be a fascinating dialogue. Because here's what we find in the paragraph. The Epis and the Stoics kind of cross their arms and they listen to Paul talk for a few moments. And they're like, Paul, you're dumb. (laughs) You're stupid. And we know that's what they said because of the word babbler. The word babbler actually comes from a Greek word that carries the idea of someone who simply picks up the words of others like what a bird picks up seed and then just kind of spits it all out all over the place. So they basically looked at Paul and said, Paul, you're a loser. You don't have an original thought in your mind. And you're just babbling, you're saying all of these different things, and we don't like it. We don't get it. We're not for you. We'd love it if you just left. And in the middle of all of that, here's what Paul did. He simply embraced people. He loved, and he cared for, and he welcomed those people that were around him without even expecting anything in return. And here at Valley Point, the path that God has us on, the journey that we're taking, is that we're going to embrace people, and we're going to welcome them and love them and not expect anything in return at all. Here's one of the things that I've observed about the church in general. I think the church is really good about opening the doors of whatever their place looks like. And they want to welcome people to come on in and have a seat. And as long as you look right, 
and you sound right, and you have the right package, you're all together, then there is a seat, and there is a place for you, and you can come on in, and you will feel welcomed. But if you don't have the right look, or the right background, or the right package, then you kind of get that look. And if you've ever received the look, then you know exactly what that feels like. Guess what God doesn't do? God doesn't give out that look. Paul didn't do that with people who were all over him. And God doesn't want us as Valley Point Church to give that look either. He wants us to welcome and love and include all people without expecting anything in return at all. This is at the core. It's at the core. This is the path we're on. This is what God wants for us as a church. And I would challenge you to chase this as an individual, that you'll just embrace people and not expect anything in return. A couple of weeks ago, we walked through Love Week. And we had a group of people that went and served lunch at a school. And we got a letter back from a person who attends our church who was there and got to participate in all of that. And they just said, you know what? My friends don't get it. They don't understand why we would serve. And she used the phrase without expecting anything in return. Like we were just there giving them food. And they don't get it. They're confused. They think we're crazy. (laughs) And I said, you know what? I hope we have more and more people who get confused and think we're crazy simply because we're welcoming and including and loving people without expecting anything in return. This is the path that we're on. That's core value number one. Here's the second core value. Live authentic, meaning we are transparent and honest about how we are real people dealing with real struggles. We're going to be authentic We're going to be real because we have real struggles and real pain right here. Here's the reality. Paul never would have been able to have these kinds of conversations with the Epis and with the Stoics if he didn't come across as an authentic person. And the impression you get as you kind of walk through this story is that Paul was real because he had a past. He had some things that were there that he could have hidden, but we know Paul didn't hide that in his story when he shared it. He was transparent. He was real. He was open. And people appreciated that, and it gave him the opportunity to speak to more. If you're looking for a perfect church, this is not your place. Because I'm not a perfect individual. I'm not a perfect leader. I'm not a perfect husband. This is a place filled with imperfect people who don't always get it right. That's who we are. And the path that we're on is we're going to be honest about that. And we're going to be real and we're going to share that stuff because we believe it helps. We're not going to hide and pretend that we're something that we're not. This past Tuesday, I was kind of reminded about all of this in a fresh way. Part of what happens every Tuesday on my schedule is that we have staff meetings in our office. And I love Tuesdays. It's one of my favorite days because we get the chance to get together and we have some training pieces and we pray and we strategize and we think and we try to get creative about what's happening at Valley Point. It's a very strategic day in our week. And I lead that meeting and I like to put different training pieces together that speak to where we're at as a staff. And so 
I began to think a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to put together a training piece that just talked about how we need to listen to people. We can't always talk. Sometimes we have to sit down and we have to listen to our church and our community and hear what they have to say. And I was really excited about putting this together and I'm thinking in my mind as I'm putting all the different points together and the takeaways and the big idea and all that stuff I love to do that I'm really pretty good at this. And I'm excited about sharing this with the staff because I listen to people and I'm really, really good at this. I'm excited about it. And then as I got to the final point, I remembered a conversation I had about a month ago on the phone with someone. And I was crabby and I was obnoxious a bit. I wasn't listening at all. And I got really bothered by that conversation about a day later. And so I called that person back and I said, look, I'm a loser I am a loser. I'm a failure. I'm not good at this. I didn't listen to you. Will you please forgive me? And that person was very gracious and was willing to offer forgiveness to me. And I've learned often the hard way, if not all of the time the hard way, that honesty and transparency is the best way to live. And if we're going to lead that way and if we're going to live that way, We have to be ready to be very authentic. And when God speaks to our hearts and challenges us in an area where we're not getting it right, whether it's listening or whatever the case might be, when we're not getting it right, we have to listen and we have to be ready to act. And then I believe God wants to use all of that stuff in our lives. I mean, all of it to be able to impact the lives of other people. And if Paul didn't do this, if he were just arrogant and talked about all of his education and how smart he was, which he easily could have done. It wouldn't have worked with the Epis and the Stoics. And guess what? It's not going to work with the crowd around us either. So we're going to be authentic, and we're going to be open and honest about the struggles that we face, and we're going to share that. Here's the third core value. Engage culture, meaning we are not afraid to leverage culture in an effort to communicate God's amazing love. We're just not going to be afraid to do that. We're going to engage culture. We're not going to hide from it. We're not going to run. We're not going to pretend it's not out there. We're going to live in the real world. We're going to engage it. That's exactly what Paul did. Verse 19 says, Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one that I'm telling you about. See props, movie clips, pop culture, iPhones, iPads, i-whatever. Look, we live in the real world, and it's not a bad thing to leverage what is happening around us to win the right to speak to other people who are living in the real world. This is exactly what Paul does here. He begins to talk to the council. He says, look, I've walked around, and I'm aware of what's happening in this place. I see your shrines. I see your idols. 
I actually even noticed that you have one to an unknown God. It's probably the Stoics, right? Because they worshiped everything. And so they wanted to be sure they covered it all. So they even made a God to an unknown God in case they missed it. And Paul's like, I think I've got an angle on that idol. I know that God. And that God can bring meaning and purpose into your life. He can become a forever friend. And yes, there is life after death. And you want to develop that friendship right now, today. He actually leveraged what was happening right in their culture to win the right to speak more truth into their lives. Here's the challenge. It is very easy once we begin the journey of following Jesus to kind of cluster. We get in our little groups and we get in our little fan clubs because we're all alike. That's not necessarily an intentional thing. It just kind of happens. We cluster. And instead of moving out, we become very guarded on the inside. And God the whole time is always looking for ways to break up those clusters and to move us out of what is known so that we can experience the unknown. And the path that God has us on, is that we're going to move out. And one of the greatest ways to do that is by engaging culture. Don't hide from it. Don't run from it. Just engage it. And know that God wants us to have impact that way. We'll do whatever it takes to reach one. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. This is why we do things like Love Week. It's why we talk about what's happening in the world. We try to use that and leverage that here. This is why we encourage everyone to be the church outside of these walls. This is why you being a coach or a team parent or a room mom is huge. It's just huge. This is why we encourage community involvement. This is why we do things like the Easter egg hunts and the fun fest. This is why we gather for inspiration and then leave for significance. This is why we must be on mission where you live, where you work, and where you play because we live in the real world and we can't be afraid to engage culture. It's there, take advantage of it, and do everything you can to win one. This is at the core of what God wants for us. Core values. They define who we are. They drive how we function. And they determine what gets celebrated. See, these two weeks are really about drilling down and saying, I'm going to grab some values and I'm going to add these force multipliers to my life so that the church is more effective and so that I'm more effective as an individual as well. So let's just think about these three that we've talked about today. Core value number one, embrace people. Is that happening for you? It's a question. Core value number two, live authentic. Is that happening for you? Core value number three, embrace culture. Is that happening for you? I want to give you two simple takeaways today. Here's the first one. Be on this path with us. And this is what God has mapped out in front of us. And it is wide open. And again, we can't do everything, but we are going to do a few things. And we're going to steer our people resources and our creative resources and our financial resources on a specific path. So be on this path with us. And then secondly, ask someone to join you on this path with us. And grab somebody and bring them along 
It's going to be an amazing ride. Core values for you. Core values for us, the church. They direct our passion. And directed passion can change you and your friends. Father, we thank you for these moments just to think about what you want to say about the values that we're chasing. God, I'm so grateful for an individual like Paul who really mapped this out for us. God, I pray that help us to be open, help us to listen to what you want to say about the values in our life. God, help us to chase these things because we can either determine what our values are going to be or we just kind of allow it to happen and we're moved by whatever is going on around us. And God, we want to be intentional. We want to direct the passions and the talents that you've given to us and all of the resources. So God, I pray that you'd start this week to use these three core values as a force multiplier in our lives. That we we really would embrace the people around us welcome them and love them without expecting anything in return. And God, I pray that you'd help us to live in an authentic way, that we would be honest and open about how we are real people dealing with real struggles. And God, may you help us to engage in the culture around us, not be afraid of it, not hide, not run, not even cluster, but that we would move out from the known to experience the unknown, which is where you're at. So help us to follow you. Help us to chase you. God, help us to live by values. Not by what's popular or by how we feel. But help us to have these things anchoring us multiplying our efforts to tell many people about your amazing love. God, we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.